There are so many videos online about the Epstein case by researchers, journalists, and these videos, yeah, a lot of them are great, great information, but these are published by people looking into a goldfish bowl of the intelligence community. Now, anyone who's worth the salt who's been researching Epstein would try and find one of the goldfish that are in the bowl to interview. And I'm blown away today by having Ari on the podcast. Ari was at the top of the Iran-Contra fiasco. He was dealing with Robert Maxwell. He met Epstein, and he's got a lot more to say in the mainstream media. Ari, thank you for coming on. Would you like to just tell the people who you are and how you got into intelligence? I worked for Israeli military intelligence after, after spending some time in Israeli military. And as such, I met Robert Maxwell. And because he worked for us as well. And what and, year was that? Uh, start, um, I started with him in 1977. What year did you meet Epstein? Um, it was probably in the early 80s in Maxwell's office. And how early did Epstein establish a relationship with Maxwell? Um, quite early. I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure how they met, but uh, Epstein was a young man about my age at the time, were both young. Uh, I was working for Israeli intelligence, and he was working or had some sort of connection with uh, Robert Maxwell. And he spent a lot of time in Maxwell's office at the time, at the um, at the Mirror, at the Daily Mirror in London. So the mainstream media is reporting that Ghislaine Maxwell went to America in the 90s and then got in this relationship with Epstein. Is that bunk? Were there prior relationships to what's being reported? Well, there was a prior relationship between them and in um, in London, and then she goes off to America to join Epstein. But you know, there was you know, a prior relationship. Actually, Daddy helped create that relationship. And Epstein at the time was a young, good-looking guy, Jewish boy from New York, and um, that was a nice little thing to have the daughter meet. And his motivation behind that was an intelligence motivation or there was going to be some romance there? Uh, he thought he's uh, putting his daughter together with some sort of, uh, you know, relationship for some sort of personal relationship. So it's like the emperors build power by marrying the kids off to other powerful people, uh, that kind of thing. That, that kind of, that's right, that's right. And, so, uh, how 
um, high up in intelligence were you back then? Um, at, the, at the time, I was working for military intelligence. Everybody mistakes it for the Mossad. I was not working for the Mossad. I was actually working for civilian, working for military intelligence. Uh, they were in charge of the Iran um, project. We're working through an independent committee that was running uh, running the Israeli policy towards Iran. So nah, we had a lot of uh, connections and power up there. So a lot of young people are watching this and they're not familiar with Iran-Contra. Could you just explain what Iran-Contra was and your role in that? Well, the Israelis uh, started, um, you know, we call it Iran-Contra, but this is, uh, uh, it's called Iran-Contra because of me, I'll explain. Uh, the Israelis were running a policy of arming the Iranian military to fight Iraq, Saddam Hussein at the time, because at the time, the Israelis saw Saddam as a threat and they had an ongoing alliance with the, with Iran, first with the Shah, then it was for another 10 years with the Khomeini regime. And we were pretty close to the Iranians at the time and they were arming the Iranians against Saddam. Saddam had invaded Iran um, southern province of Khuzestan was being um, Saddam wanted it because of, it was oil rich and so on. But um, uh, Israel helped the Iranians Iranians uh, uh, throw Saddam out of Iran, Saddam's army out of Iran. That was the, it was called a scandal because it was secret that Israel had a relationship with the Khomeini regime. And you were liaising with Robert Maxwell around this time. Yeah. Also, he had a big role in distributing Promise software. Could you explain to people what that project was about? Um, Promise Software had a backdoor at the time, and um, and the Israelis would um, would have it sold through Robert Maxwell, and then um, and then would be able to uh, follow or um, see what other intelligence services were doing through the computers. And this is all described in the book, The Assassination of Robert Maxwell, which quotes you extensively. How accurate is that book and how do you think Maxwell died? Um, I'm not commenting about the book, but I believe Maxwell died because he was about to be arrested by the British government over over the um, pension scandal. As you may know, he stole the pension funds from 
um, the mirror, yes. Uh, and the Israelis did not want them to sing. So I believe the Israelis took care of him. Well, that's a very relevant answer. And I was hoping you would say something like that because I believe that people didn't want Epstein to sing and he met his untimely demise. Do you think that yeah, was the case? Maxwell and Epstein probably had a similar end. Now, in the book, they are putting that on Israeli intelligence, taking Maxwell out. To take someone out in a federal U.S. prison, would that have to have been a concerted effort between multiple intelligence agencies? I would assume so. Um, I spent time in, if, if you read my book, I spent time in MCC in that exact same facility. Almost impossible. Impossible to commit suicide in those cells. It would have had to be um, some coordination between different agencies, yes. Because Epstein was six foot tall and to hang off the top bunk, his feet would have still be on the ground and you can commit suicide by leaning forward, but that wouldn't fracture those bones in your neck. All I'm saying is probably impossible. You could uh, probably commit suicide outside the cell, but not in the cell. So I've looked at the unredacted black book and I've seen the names in there and people often speculate as to who gave the order for him to have to go. Do you have any theories yourself? Well, he had to, he had to go because for various reasons, um, lots of reasons. And uh, I believe that um, the Israelis wanted him to go because he might have started singing about about what type of material he he had or he gave the Israelis. Now, after his first arrest, he got the sweetheart deal. How was that arranged and why later on was he not protected in a similar way? Okay. Uh, initial, initially, he got the sweetheart deal because the Israelis felt that he could be under control and they could still work with him. But then later on, later on, it's, um, they felt that he had to go. It was too much. So how did they feel about his co-conspirators, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jean-Luc Brunel, Leslie Wexner, just to name a few? If I were them, I would, his co-conspirators, I'd go Heidegg. I'd just disappear. Do you have any theories as, as, as to where they may be hiding? Um, Miss Maxwell may have made the mistake 
of going and hiding in Israel, yes? Thinking that you'd be protected there. Um, she's probably is protected there, but under control. She, she cannot have any, she would not have any freedom of movement or speaking to anybody. But um, the others, uh, I, I believe they're probably outside the United States. What do you believe that the role of the Clintons was in all this? Well, um, one of Epstein's main targets at the time, going back to 1992, was Bill Clinton, uh, the Israelis feared him. They thought he's going to be another Jimmy Carter to put, force them to do, um, to, to give concessions to the Palestinians or to the Arabs as Carter did. So they, they Epstein, had a role in compromising Mr. Clinton, President Clinton. So if Wexner gave Epstein this mansion for free, the mansion was already cameraed up. And I just recently listened to a victim, Maria Farmer, I believe her name is, who was assaulted at a Wexner property. The cops were called out and they basically worked for Wexner. And her impression was that Wexner in the intelligence agency operation was Epstein's boss in America. Do you concur with that? Possibly. Possibly. At different stages, he may have had different bosses. And what do you believe Prince Andrew's role in all this was? Uh, Prince Andrew made Epstein, a very valuable asset of Israeli intelligence due to the fact that he was a royal in Britain and he, attract, he could attract certain personalities to play golf with him and maybe have fun with him in the, in the evening with girls provided by Mr. Epstein and then they would be compromised. Certain personalities were compromised by Prince Andrew by bringing them into this trap. Now, Prince Andrew, the way I see it, or the Israelis saw it, he was doing it for fun. He was just a decadent royal doing it for fun. Yeah, the impression, the impression yeah. I get is like he was a useful idiot with a big name. Yeah, sorry? The impression I got, he was a useful idiot with a big name. Very useful idiot for, with a big name, very bored, de decadent. He's having fun doing this. So Epstein got the sweetheart deal when Obama and Hillary Clinton were in power. And now Trump is in power. Do you think that makes any difference? 
like will people be brought to justice in this case or will there just be a continuation of cover-ups personally i think uh, there'll probably be a cover-up uh, probably be a co attempted cover-up but who knows there are a lot of people that got hurt by uh, Mr. Epstein and this operation. So, so, you know, you never know. You never know. If Epstein was only a mid-level manager of the operation, is the operation continuing right now in a way that people aren't aware of? Um, the Israelis continue. <laughs> If you're interested in the Epstein case, I take a much deeper dive in my books, which are available worldwide on Amazon. We've got Who Killed Epstein, Prince Andrew or Bill Clinton. Virginia Gaffrey alleged that Epstein ordered her to have sex with Prince Andrew three times, including an orgy on the Pedo Island, which included underage European girls. On the Lolita Express, Bill Clinton was photographed with Epstein's sex slaves. After Epstein was suicided, both men denied any knowledge of his crimes. This book examines the roles of Epstein and his accomplices in the Honey Trap operation and the likelihood of a royal prince or an ex-president being co-conspirators in his assassination. That's Who Killed Epstein. Then I've got Elite Predators, from Jimmy Savile and Lord Mountbatten to Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. In 2022, Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in prison after she had procured teenage girls for Epstein and his predator pals. The connections included the most powerful people in the world, ranging from royal family members such as Prince Andrew to former presidents, including Bill Clinton. While the mainstream media protects the innermost circles of the establishment, this book reveals the harrowing truth of elite child molesters and the calculated methods they employ to conceal their horrific activities, which often span decades. And then more recently, I've released Untouchable Jimmy Savile, Savile was a practicing Catholic who raped young boys and girls and had sex with corpses. He was a God-fearing believer who participated in satanic rituals. He was an unprecedentedly generous charity fundraiser who was too tight to buy his own meals. He was a friend of princes and dukes who ate bacon sandwiches at his local greasy spoon. He was a peace activist who tied up troublemakers in his nightclubs and had them brutally beaten. He was a furry godfather who hated children. Untouchable Jimmy Savile demolishes the mainstream media narratives portrayed in Netflix's and the BBC's documentary. And we show that Savile's behavior was enabled by the most powerful members of the establishment for whom he was a fixer and a procurer. So these three books are available worldwide on Amazon, paperback, ebook, audiobook. They've got hundreds of five-star reviews. Check them out. Operating. They haven't, they don't stop. So. so is every intelligence agency then, is it like an arms race where you have to become more devious and diabolical and, and all, they're all engaged in the honey trap schemes? No, 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 no. I wouldn't say every intelligence agency does these things. Uh, uh, intelligence agencies do collect information and Thing, but this is these things are the Israelis have taken it to an extreme, always took it to an extreme, and they always claim we're in danger, the Arabs are about 
to destroy us, so we need an intelligence agency that does certain things. So earlier on, you said that Sweetheart Dale came about because of Israeli intelligence. How much pull does Israeli intelligence have in America? Um, the Israeli government, there's an Israeli lobby in, United, in the United States that has lots of pull. I don't need to get into, into it. They have lots of pull. And when they're told to do something by the Israeli government, they would, they would do it. So it seems that people in these operations, including yourself, when your usefulness is over, you are sacrificed one way or another, either killed, incarcerated, criminalized, so that you can't you know, speak in court. Um, um, what happened in your situation? In my situation, I believe uh, that what really happened was that I was, I was into the peace deal with the Palestinians working and, and uh, they had to, people had to get rid of me at the time. I, I was, I went to see, as the advisor to Prime Minister Shamir at the time, I had to, I went and saw Arafat. And we started, we started the Oslo process. So people in Israel were not very happy about it. And so they tried to set me up with the Iran deal, which I was part of. Uh, but to everybody's surprise, I did not plead guilty and ask for a pardon. I went to trial and I got acquitted. A very unusual situation, but it happened and the whole thing blew up because I got acquitted and I testified in Congress and so on and so forth. The whole story is written in my book. We're gonna, we're gonna have a link. We're going to have the link to your book in the description box below this video so people can check that out. Okay. So, so during the Iran-Contra period then, who were the highest people in the American government you were liaising with? I mean, did you have access to Bush, Reagan, Oliver North, Felix? Uh... Uh, we had access, uh, the Israeli government had access to the, to the highest uh, levels, but as, as for us, we had access to the higher levels of the CIA and the National Security Council and the White House and so on. Pretty high up. Would you say that Reagan was just a figurehead at that point and George H.W. Bush perhaps had more power? Um, over intelligence matters, yes. Because remember George H.W. Bush was a CIA, I worked for the CIA, was head of the CIA earlier on so yeah yes i would say so i've written a book about barry seal american maid who was flying the cocaine in part mm -hmm. of the iran contra do you think that epstein's money came some of it came from laundering drugs um the israelis weren't 
into drugs so much, were not into drugs so much, they were into guns. So I, I would believe that uh, Epstein's funds actually came from, his, uh, from Israel more than from the drugs that were sold to Central America. And why I claim, by the way, why I claim um, that Iran Contra was called, was named after me is because uh, after the Iranian project was sort of over, I was I was Israel's point man in Central America for a while, working out of the Israeli consulate in New York, flying back. So on the weapons story, what yeah. was Maxwell's relationship with Khashoggi and Epstein's relationship with Khashoggi? Um, well, weapons. I don't think um, Epstein had a had a serious um, a serious role in the weapons uh, trade. Everybody seems to connect him with that, but I don't believe that for a minute. Maxwell was laundering funds for the Israeli government, monies that were being received from Iran for the weapons they were transferring to the Iranian government. That was Maxwell's role. Okay. Um, we had a relationship with him for quite a long time. But again, once he got into trouble financially, the Israelis did not want him to sink. He was about to be arrested by the British authorities over the mirror scandal. So during Iran-Contra, we had the cocaine coming into Arkansas and then getting distributed throughout America. And mm -hmm. Oliver North was supposedly in charge of that under George H.W. Bush. And Bill Clinton was providing the security, the state police, which was protecting that. Do you agree with those statements? Um, there were probably, um, probably there was drug dealing back and forth, yes. Uh, we, we as Israelis knew about it, but the details I'm not, I'm not sure about. Because so how, we how does, and the Israelis weren't part of that. How does a president like George H.W. Bush get up and do a photo op with a big seizure of cocaine? How does he get away with actually coordinating bringing cocaine into the country at the same time? <laughs> I have no answer to that. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I mean, he, it is what it is. I call it. How does Prince Andrew get away with uh, messing around with young underage girls for such a long time? And um, some people believe that George H.W. Bush lost the presidency to Clinton because of the testimonies that were going on in Congress in 1991 and 1992 over the Iran-Contra affair. And um, 
one of the people that testified was myself and in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. And if you remember, they were controlled by Democrats, the two houses while the Republican was president. And, um, but uh, before that, he was doing very well. He had, he had a very high popularity rating. When you're called to testify like that, what kind of questions did they ask you? Everything. Very detailed. Some Anything? of it was clo closed, uh, closed uh, thing. Okay. Who's more likely to get extradited to America, Julian Assange or Prince Andrew? Probably Julian Assange. <laughs> Probably. And why is he so dangerous to them? He knows a lot, put out a lot, and we have, quote unquote, we have to teach people a lesson. You cannot put out this information. If you do, you're going to pay for it. So do you find that when you put out your own information, there's a line you have to draw? Of course, you have to draw a line. And at the time, I was real lucky that Mr. President Clinton became president because I testified against George Bush. And if he would have been president, I would have probably been dead meat. Have you had threats on your life over the years? At the time, uh, at the time, yes. Um, and, and I was almost killed in Washington, driving together with a very well-known journalist and also a friend called Robert Perry at the time he's now he died of cancer recently but uh, um, we were about to be killed when I flew from Australia to to Washington to testify in the Senate Wow what attracts you then to this kind of work if you know there's a risk? Then, uh, we're now, uh, we're now uh, doing consultancy, political consultancy work. <laughs> we have a company in, in uh, Canada that does the I say we have privatized diplomacy <laughs> here. <laughs> and uh, uh, we help different governments or different personalities politically and getting them in the right uh, position. We're pretty well known. We just recently uh, uh, were, uh, our most recent uh, thing is helping the Sudanese government. So would you say that, would you say that when you first joined military intelligence, you were idealistic? 
yes. I never became cynical, <laughs> but uh, I never became cynical, but, you know, you start seeing the real, uh, the real thing. What was the first event that caused you to start seeing the real thing? You know, the attitude of the Israelis towards the Palestinians, things like Epstein, Epstein being, I really, um, Maxwell wanted Epstein to join our team, but we refused. So Maxwell goes to his friend over our heads in Israel, who was head of military intelligence, Ehud Barak, and gets Epstein to join. And what was your impression of Epstein then? Did you think he was this super villain, super intelligent? No, no, no. My impression was he's just another useful idiot. So Ghislaine Maxwell speaks four languages. She can pilot submarines and underwater robots. And she's been you know, described as quite a intelligent villainous character. Do you agree with that? She was an intelligent, she is an intelligent person. Yeah, sure. So do you think that she was bringing these kids into Epstein's orbit to impress him because she loved him? She was working with him. But there was a romantic relationship at some point. Well, there was a relationship at some point because you have to also understand that um, it turns out it turned out that Mr. Epstein did not like women. So he wanted kids. And do you think that when mm. she was she was rebuffed and she found that out, and if she was in love with him, she mm. continued in this conspiracy to try and be around him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. What was your impression of her when you first met her then? Uh, young lady, smart, well-schooled young lady. At the time, it was pretty young. So would her game plan now just be to hide out, hope this blows over, and... I, I, that's what I would do if I were her, yes. Hide out, hope that it blows over, and somehow continue life. And what do you think Jean-Luc Brunel's role in this was? He was probably working with them one way or the other. There was speculation that he went to Brazil. Any thoughts on where he could be? No. He could be in Brazil, but it's, I'm speculating. I don't know. I really don't know.
Do you think this will blow over or when there's an unsolved mystery like Kennedy assassination where nobody is, you know, there's all this speculation. He's not as important. uh, Epstein is not as important as uh, Kennedy. Let's not give him too much credit. (laughs) Okay. But, 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 there's a but here. Um, I believe when when all the nasty stories about Israeli intelligence or Israeli, the Israeli state will start, will start coming to surface, and they might, this story will probably continue. Yeah, continue. So, from my research, I've asked you the, the questions at the top of my mind. Is there anything that you feel I've left out that you would like to tell people? Yeah, um, again, uh, um, Prince Andrew was a was a prize for the Israelis. He was able to trap real important people and compromise them. And this is why the royal family really were upset when they found out about all this stuff. Again, a useful idiot. And then for Andrew to go back after the conviction and be the guest of honor at Epstein's coming out of prison party, that is what flabbergasts people a lot, especially in this country. Again, a useful idiot. <laughs> he was having fun and he didn't want to, uh, you know, little girls, he liked little girls, so he was having fun. He didn't want to give it up, did he? <laughs> Until the very end. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, what year was your book published and what's it called? Sorry? What is your book called? Let's let everybody know. Prophets of War. And what year was that published? In 1992, but, but, uh, it became a bestseller for a while. It died, but it started again, and it was republished last year. Again, same edition, same book, no, no changes. It was republished again. And if anybody wants to buy that, just go down and look below this video. There's a link there to, you can get it worldwide on Amazon. Do you have another book in you? I'm still working. It's not the time for another book yet. And if people want to contact you or um, send you comments or anything like that, are you available on social media or are you a private man? I'm not on social media, no. So if you have a comment to make to Ari, you can post that in the description box. I mean, in the comments section below this video, let us know what you thought about this today. Post your your, um, comments and questions down there. And as this thing develops, um, you know, I've invited Ari when he's in London, we can go in the studio and, and, and do a proper recording. So maybe we could get something else going down the road. Thank you very much for your time, Ari. This has been invaluable. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. Thank you.
I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I've got some exciting news to announce. Michael Francis is coming back to tour the UK in 2024. The remade Mantor, the Michael Francis story. Michael Francis, once named one of the 50 most significant mob bosses in the USA by Fortune magazine, and a former member of the notorious Colombo crime family, will take you deep into the world of organized crime, sharing captivating tales and insights into the Mafia's past, present, and future. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Michael Francis, the original Goodfella, as he exclusively sits down with myself, Sean Atwood. With me as the host, there's going to be a no-holes-barred exploration of Michael Francis's life, including his numerous arrests and jury trials that ultimately led to his pleading guilty to a federal racketeering charge, a 10-year prison sentence, and $15 million in restitution. You will have the unique opportunity to ask questions during an audience Q&A session, making this event a must-see for true crime enthusiasts and anyone curious about the underworld. Don't miss this explosive in-conversation with Michael Francis. Live on stage in the UK, this exclusive in-person event will be held in various locations in the UK, Ireland and Scotland. Link in the description box below this video if you want to grab yourself a ticket. Back to the podcast. Cheers.